This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. In a few short months, Jerry and I will complete three years of hosting our show about food security and how awesome our culture, community, and country will be once hunger is solved. We are excited to host this award-winning show, and we are told by our marketing team that Food First is the only show of its kind across the nation. Now, I'm not sure that's a good thing, but we do like being first. The fact of the matter is, the Board of Directors for the Food Bank Council of Michigan gave me a directive five years ago about the Food Bank Council having a stronger voice regarding food security across our state. Eventually, this show was created to raise the issue and challenge of food security to a higher level. The fact is, we couldn't keep doing what we were doing the way we were doing them. We needed to change, and the first thing that needed to change was the conversation. Our objective was then, and is now, a simple one. We wanted to change the conversation about food insecurity, and so today... Jerry and I will discuss what I believe are the powerful results of this show on us, our guests, our listeners, and our network. Jerry joins me in just a moment right here in our WJR studio. Come back and join us too. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, welcome to the WJR studio. You're in your familiar spot over there. Well, it's it feels familiar, and that's a good feeling. Uh, we've been at this now for quite some time, and uh, it's always a pleasure to continue to bring to the world the idea that Food First is important, why it's important, all the things it takes to make it important, and the benefits of solving it. So, you know, here we are again. It does not feel like work, Doctor. It, it feels it really like doesn't. another day at Cedar Point. Now, it might not feel that to our producer, Mark, but, you know, <laughs> it might seem like a lot of work to him whenever we're here. But it doesn't seem like work to me either. In fact, I, I just wanted us to uh, to look back in order to look forward, right? Um, So we started this show almost three years ago with the clear objective that we wanted to change the conversation about food insecurity and elevate the cause and challenge of creating a food secure state. That is creating food security in people's lives so that they weren't held down by the toxic stress of worrying about food all the time. Well, you know, One of the things that food banking has shown the world is that when people decide they want to solve a problem, amazing things can happen. Food banking started as an idea, you know, really in the mid to late 60s, and it kept growing. It kept growing. It started to get you know, tens of thousands of volunteers, and it got tens of thousands of people interested in food drives and tens of thousands of people interested in making donations. And you look at that and you just go, huh, 
you know, the the community's kind of speaking to us here about how important it is to them. Well, then, you you know, it doesn't take long in a conversation with someone who's going through a rough patch in their life to realize how important it is to them and how much they're willing to invest themselves to get on their feet and be self-sufficient. And and we certainly have a lot of data that proves that now. And then you look at the the state legislature and the federal government and, you know, the the number of people in those roles that have said, you know, this is important enough. We're going to spend literally billions of dollars to try to solve it. Well, it, it started to look like, okay, it's time to put this all into context and say, let's fix this. There mm-hmm. are so many people interested and willing and committed to fixing this, it's time to do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that encourages and inspires us. But when we started this show, Jerry, we weren't really sure where it was going to go or where it was going to take us. And that's really what I want to talk about a little bit about today. So I guess the first thing is when you change the conversation, the first thing is you have to have the courage to do so. I mean, if you just keep Talking about the same old things the same old way, uh, well, I think somebody said that's the definition of insanity, you know, to keep doing the same thing you've always done and expect different results. We wanted, we saw there was more, but we really had to change how we were talking. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You say courage, and courage means a couple different things, but sometimes courage is knowing what you're going to face and facing it anyway, and sometimes courage is not knowing at all what you're going to (laughs) face and just moving ahead and going, oh, that's what I'm going to face. And both those aspects have been true in this work, you know. you know, as we've brought more people in, people from healthcare and people from business and people from education and start talking seriously about how solving food security amplifies success in all those other areas, I don't think we knew or or exactly had the courage uh, to, to know what we were going to encounter. We just had a fearlessness to say, whatever it is, we're going to encounter it. And, and we're going to take it. We're going to. We're going to face it head on. And, I, you know, I, I think this is about leadership. And so uh, the Food Bank Council of Michigan, our board of directors of the seven Feeding America Food Banks, said we want to elevate this issue in the public's eye, in the government's eyes. We want to continue to do this. And I think that it's been largely successful to do that. But anytime you're in a leadership position, it's going to take courage. You and know— and you know, you, 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 you've heard me say this. You need three qualifications to lead. The mind of a scholar, the heart of a shepherd, and you better have the height of a rhinoceros <laughs> because not everybody's going to agree with you. And, you know, we've encountered a little bit of that here on the show where people who listen to us don't always agree with us. Well, I think, and of course, I think that's a good thing. You know, part of changing the conversation is listening to people who don't agree with you and incorporating their wisdom into your thinking. Just because someone disagrees doesn't mean they're unwise. And so how do you get that wisdom you didn't have before if you don't have constructive and sometimes even combative dialogue about something that you're passionate about? And so, of course, that's a big part of courage, right? Yeah. I I think, too, um, when you know some things have to change, so we are spending a fair amount of time and money in government 
for sure, to solve this problem. But part of changing the conversation is saying, you know, not all that is being spent the way it should be spent. Sometimes we need to improve what we're doing and make that better and more efficient and actually point to the problems we're trying to solve in more effective ways. And we've well, I'm going to I'm going to save the rant for the next segment, but you know, there are concrete examples of sometimes changing the conversation means saying we can't keep doing what we've been doing, not just in how we talk, but in how we're spending our dollars. Well, I think that's exactly right, and that takes courage to say those things and particularly when you're saying them first. Right. So right. He's Jerry Brisson, I'm Dr. Phil Knight. You're listening to Food First Michigan, and we're talking with you today this evening about when you change the conversation, what happens? Come back and find out in just a couple of minutes. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. We're talking about when you change the conversation. And first off, Jerry, it takes courage to do that. We talked about that. But then when you change the conversation, it changes you. And I, I want us to talk about that. You touched on it a little bit because it, it when you change the conversation, it changes first the conversation you're having with yourself and then the conversation you're having with everyone else about, in our case, food security. And the result of that is that you begin to grow in ways that you haven't done that before. And so often on this show, I've referred to you as a thought leader, not just here in Michigan, but also nationally. And so there's a couple of instances I want to bring up and remind our guest about. One is that your food bank, Gleaners, has been named the 2019 Feeding America Food Bank of the Year. And just this morning, talking about growing and developing you received the Josidas Unsung Hero Award and here in Detroit. And again, that I was in the room this morning, and that was such a prestigious honor. Uh, so I want to say, you, I, I did a monologue of Food for Thought about it a few weeks ago, but I want to say here, I think when you change the conversation, it caused you to grow in ways that 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 you didn't know or expect. And the result of that is two very prestigious awards that have come to you in 2019. Well, thank you, Doctor. It's uh, It was certainly quite an honor to be named as part of Eleanor Josaitis's legacy of community service and uh, and to and to be you know mindful of all the past winners who who have been inspirational in their own right. So it's very humbling. Um, I certainly feel aware that there's an awful lot of people that I owe my success to, including you, Doctor, who I mm. named uh, from the stage as well. But um, but there's no question about it. Um, if you want to change the conversation. It demands a certain amount of humility, and growth has to involve some humility Mm. because it means you didn't know, right? Right. It means there were things you didn't know that you need to know, and, um, and so you have to let go of all the constructs you've built and be willing to hear maybe there's better ways. So... 
Um, I will tell you one of the shows that we've had that I think about all the time is uh, when we were talking to Rob Fowler about the raising the minimum wage and how, you know, while that might work and, and be an effective tool in some areas, if you're in the Upper Peninsula on the border of Wisconsin and you're in a little town, I believe, was he talking about Hurley? Yeah. Is that the little town? Yeah, I think so. And he said, uh, you know, it's a very different thing up there where the cost of living is different and the the wages that might change in Michigan then, you know, push people down into Wisconsin because the Michigan restaurants can't afford to be open anymore in that little town. And I mean, I, I think that it's, it is um, really significant that complex problems don't have simple solutions. Mm. Now, that, that just means we need more tools in our tool bag. So when we think about growing, one of the most important things we have to grow is the tools we have in our tool bag to take into account all the complex realities that exist that make the problems difficult to solve. And that should not be daunting. Right. That should just be thought of as the step-by-step process of getting to real solutions that are workable and that are going to bring about the safety net we all want and need. So that has been a tremendous uh, thing to be going through, right. the, the growth and the new ideas and the challenges that then bring us closer and closer and closer to what fundamentally is going to work for everyone. Well, when you change the conversation, the first person that changes is you. Yeah. Right? Yep. Well, you know, it's also been said that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. <laughs> well, that's true, too. You know? That's absolutely true. But, you know, one of the things I think is really talking about your thought leadership and being a part of the national organization, Feeding America, and the conversations that happen with our own food bank council uh, and the directors of our seven food banks is, you know, Growth has not been an option for us. I mean, it's, it, we have grown. This work has evolved in significant ways over the life, the one generation, really, that we've been in existence. We're not doing the work today like they were doing it on the first day. For sure. Well, one of the things I'll say about the pioneers of food banking, man, you want to talk about a group of courageous people. Yeah, absolutely. They were throwing buildings together any which way they could. They were taking tape and yellow paint and putting it on the floor and numbering it and putting boxes in it and going, okay, this is our inventory system. I mean, really, in truth, their first priority was to capture the food that was going to waste wherever it was. And the second priority was, now what do we do? In fact, one of the stories I like that that you or sayings that you have, Doctor, is you know you're the dog that's chasing the car. Right. Well, what happens when you catch it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right. pioneering in food banking looked a lot like that—the dog that caught the car. Okay, right. now what? Well, now what are we going to do with it? <laughs> and you know, and I agree with you. I mean, these were entrepreneurs; these were pioneers. And the community really needed someone to be the clearinghouse to make sure that the food was going out to the people who were hungry was safe. And that's really a significant role that has transcended the decades that we've been in business. But without disparaging those beginning days, how we're distributing food to people now is far more efficient, is far more sensitive, culturally sensitive. It's evolved, is my is my point. Well, and I would even say we're imagining things like drones. 
Right. You know, mobility and transportation is a hugely complex issue for low-income folks. And so we have to be thinking about technology, every type of technology that's available to us to meet people where they are. Now, I'm not saying we figured out how to make drones work, but I am saying there are people looking at it. And there are people talking with auto executives and other people who are much more technology savvy than we are about what are they thinking about and how are they thinking about it. And I mean, it's uh, it, it, growth is essential if you're going to solve a problem that affects as many people as food insecurity. Well, it's not to say, for example, that we don't still distribute food in a box. But we used to just distribute food in a box. And now we have client choice pantries with a full complement of of, uh, foods from frozen food to fresh produce. You know, certainly the canned and box goods that we've been known for are still there and still in significant quantities. But, you know, it's nearing half of our entire distribution is fresh produce. Right. And milk. And, milk. and, you know, things that we had no uh, ability to distribute even 15 years ago or very limited ability because refrigeration wasn't there or, you know, certainly the, the, the network of partners that we have struggled to get things like the right freezers and, and refrigerators. And now, you know, a lot of them have that equipment and can distribute that kind of food. And again, constantly looking at how do we grow based on the food that's available and the need in the community. Well, and we've just invested about $1.4 million in that very thing for our down-the-line pantries so that they would be able to uh, store and move fresh produce and dairy and protein and all the other things that really weren't happening 40-some-odd years ago. Well, and we're grateful for our partnership with the state of Michigan there. We had an opportunity to unlock food we've never gotten before. It was individually quick-frozen food. And... Uh, but in order to make that food available, you had to have the infrastructure uh, to support the distribution of it. So you think about it from the beginning of the food chain to the end and everything you have to have in place. And, of course, that's growth, too. And food banks have really stepped up and said, OK, we'll figure out how we need to change our operations in order to make this available. And, you know, I want to I want to throw in a quick thought about the Flint water crisis, because part of the reason we discovered this whole line of food is because we learned what a difference it would make for people who had too much lead in their water. And so making it available, particularly to kids that might be exposed to that, so that it would remediate that lead was really, really an important evolution. Again, we learn something new and put things in place to take advantage of that new learning. And all of that is part of that growth. It is. It is. So we're talking about when you change the conversation, first off, you got to have the courage to do that. And You also have to be able to take the criticism that comes along with that. But then it changes you. And then there's a couple other things that happen, Jerry, and I want us to talk about them in the next segment. And that is your connections change when you change the conversation, and so does your culture. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back in just a few minutes. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry, you're on social media, so very quickly, what's your handle? 
GC, what am I? GCFB Jerry. Jerry. Is that a, I can't remember. You know, there was a. Let me just do this for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can find Jerry at GCFB Jerry, and that's Jerry with a G. Yes. Good point. And, uh, you know, I will say this because I never communicate with myself, I always go, What is that again? I have people around me that know better than I do. Isn't that funny? That's funny. Hey, we're changing the conversation about food insecurity across the state. And, um, you know, our podcasts are being downloaded across the nation, and we're pretty excited about that. And, um, you know, we're pretty ex- really excited about the growth of the show over the last three years. And uh, since we won the award for the, from the Michigan Association of Broadcasting, and uh, it's really taken us to the next level. So I'm just excited to keep doing this with you and keep changing the conversation. And one of the things that happened when we changed the conversation was this show, because our connections changed. We began to meet people that we had never met before to have conversations about things we had never dreamed of having conversations about. And one of those conversations that I think is of particular uh, interest and has great potential is the conversation that you started with healthcare. Well, I, I'm going to give some credit to Feeding America. Um, they're the National Food Bank, and they really are the ones that started to tease up the potential. And there's a food bank in Minnesota um, that was kind of on the forefront of that thinking. And then Feeding America hired a tremendous professional, a doctor uh, who who is so smart and so good by the name of Hillary Seligman, who was bringing it to the attention of food banks that... And why have we had her on the show yet? Yeah, I know. We got to get her on the show. But um, who really started to say, y'all ought to be thinking about this because healthcare is realizing and has has known, but is starting to put a lot more emphasis on the social determinants of health. And I'm not going to go into all of those, but transportation, social isolation, housing, and food are just examples of things that can make people either healthier or less healthy, depending on how much of those things they have. And so um, so that's where that idea started from. And like like any good nonprofit person, you steal every good idea you can <laughs> and make the most of it, right? And so, um, so we started really focusing more clearly on how do we show the impact that uh, somebody who's who's got a health concern can how that by helping that person be food secure, you can actually also address some of the chronic conditions that they're mm-hmm. dealing with in their life. And, and, I, and I also want to say all of this starts from a point of genuine compassion and understanding of the people we serve. When you see somebody with diabetes who can't afford insulin, you really see clearly, wow, this is a... Uh, this isn't something you can just put off till tomorrow. I mean, that yeah. that person really right. needs help right now. And, uh, and there's been so much research that shows the most significant thing to address is the amount of healthy food that people have access to. Then you start to understand, well... But the the healthiest food, the fresh food, is also the most likely to spoil and go to waste. Um, right now in this country, we we throw away about forty percent of all of the produce that we grow. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so y- you start looking at the complexities of that in a person's life and say, you know, if people are afraid to buy the food they need the most because they don't want it to spoil, but it's the thing that can help turn around their health condition more significantly than anything else. You can't sit by the roadside and hope somebody figures that out. You better be involved in the solution, especially at the scale that food banks distribute food. Well, I think that that's all exactly right. My point would be simply, we've never had those conversations before. We'd never thought to have those conversations before until we made the courageous decision to change the conversation. And now those conversations are with healthcare and health plans and a host of other. We spoke to the Michigan Association of Pharmacists. We've spoken to uh, one of the uh, associ- nursing associations here in Michigan. So healthcare conversation is happening, but it's also happening in education. It's also happening in the small business community. It's happening in the large business community. It's happening with the utility companies. It's happening, happening, happening. All be- We're having conversations that we've never had before. And what that really means is our connections have changed. They've grown. And, and that means there's a lot more smart people coming alongside of us to help create a solution. You know, it's probably worth uh, just uh, saying to you who are listening right now, you're one of those connections. Absolutely. We're connected to you in a, in a way that we're proud of, in a way that we hope you're proud of. And as you're listening to the show and thinking about how this conversation continues to evolve, you may have something you've been thinking about for weeks or months or now even years send us a note get us you know let us know what you're thinking about this and the connections that you have that you can bring to this conversation because we are far from done when it comes to broadening our connections getting more people's ideas getting more of the good thoughts that it's going to take to solve these problems and you are sitting on some of those so send them our way absolutely and you can do that by finding us at foodfirstmichigan.org that's foodfirstmi.org and you can respond to the show as well we get a lot of folks who do that and we look for your input as well so jerry when you change the conversation it changes you it changes your connection but i think we both realize that it changes the culture around you as well i notice at a entirely different conversation that's happening nationally and at the food bank council than what was happening prior to. Let me give you one example. I think we used to measure our effectiveness solely through our outputs. And now we're really talking about what's the impact of what we do? What's our outcomes? And that's a totally different conversation. Well, and to put the cookies on the right shelf, as the good doctor often says... Okay, an output is food. An outcome is having fewer trade-offs this month because you had enough food, right? And so how does the work actually affect someone in a household Mm -hmm. when they get the food, right? So the food is the output, 
but the outcome is a better life. So having fewer trade-offs financially because the food provides economic value, maybe it helps you pay your rent so you can stay in your home, that's an outcome. That's a hugely important outcome for people who are going through a struggle in their life. So again, there's many more outcomes we can measure, but just to put the cookies on the right shelf in terms right. of saying, what do we mean when we say outputs and outcomes? Well, I think it, the conversation has has caused our our conversation, you know, to change to the point where now we're we're looking at ourselves again, part of our growth. We're evolving and evaluating ourselves differently because our culture has changed. And and there's there's really one more point here that I want us to talk about, and I'm going to save it for the next segment because it it really talks about what our conclusions are because the, the conversation has changed. What do we now believe? And I think you'll have a couple of things to say about that. Always do. Yep. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. And we're changing the conversation about food security across our state. Come back and be with us as we wrap up this show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. We're changing the conversation, Jerry, and to do that, it takes a little bit of courage. Yeah, well, we've said a lot about courage, and uh, I would say every day you're in the studio with me, you're exhibiting some courage. <laughs> some courage. Well, you got to have the courage <laughs> to be able to take the criticism that comes your way. But when you do change the conversation, it changes you. It changes your connections. It changes the culture of I'm, I mean, to walk through your food bank and the other food banks, to walk through the food bank council, I think you see a lot of happy, driven people who really want to make a difference with their one handful of life. Yeah, you don't see people taking a small pie and trying to cut it into different size pieces. You see people recognizing the pie is bigger for us all, and it has to be in order to solve this problem. And so that culture shift is absolutely huge away from scarcity and towards who do we need to bring to the table to grow this rather than how do we carve up what's already here? Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I like about the culture that we have at the Food Bank Council is just what you're talking about. And it's nobody's jealous of anybody else's success. In fact, I've heard you say that that we really don't care who solves hunger. We just want it solved. And if somebody else can do this work better... Come on. Right. I hope we get their attention so they can solve this problem. Right. Well, it's one of the reasons we're doing this show. Yeah. To change that conversation and include people that's never really been included in this conversation before. And, you know, Jerry, one of the things that I notice as the culture shifts through the change of co- the types and of conversations we're having, and I think you and I have both grown in this since we started doing the show. At least it's become firmer for us. And that is when you change the conversation, your conclusions change. Yeah, I think one of the one of the most important things we say is this problem is solvable. 
mm-hmm. and that is a much different conclusion than people were coming to a short even a short time ago you know now why do we think it's solvable well i mean the connections it starts well it doesn't start there but it's a huge aspect of it the number of people that want to see this problem solved is enormous these are smart people that have a vested interest in solving the problem these are people who win when the problem is solved and when you start to expand those conversations to more and more and more people you go you know what our conclusion is this is a solvable problem it's not an intractable problem i want to give another conclusion that's different Mm -hmm. one of the things that people used to say about anti-hunger work is it only helps today so you've heard the saying if you teach a person to fish they can fish for a lifetime if you give them a person a fish they can just eat eat today but here's the the deeper truth people need to eat today to fish tomorrow you can't just teach them to fish without feeding them today and say well i hope you have the energy to fish tomorrow Right? right, You have to do both, and it takes a concerted effort to do both to really solve the problem of fishing. So you can apply that philosophy to, to many, many different aspects of life. If you want a child to have uh, the ability to read at third grade reading level by third grade, you better feed them. Right, You can't just get one without the other, and that's a different conclusion. You know, it doesn't take away the wisdom of people need to learn to fish in order to provide for themselves. Right. But well, you, we call that self-sufficiency, and right? And we all want it. And everybody wants it. We want it for everybody. Everybody wants it for themselves. And so I think the, the principle there is something we've talked about through the history of the show is you have to help people where they're at, not where you wish they were. We wish everybody were fishing today but and tomorrow. But the point is, without us coming alongside of one another, and that's where our thoughts about the safety net really come into play. Who needs help? How much help do they need? And for how long? And and things change in our world. We are we are at a time when the world is changing faster than it ever has. And that's a beautiful thing. It's providing a lot of services and opportunities for a lot of people, but it's also leaving people behind. It's also creating challenges that people struggle to overcome. And so all of that goes together. So again, our conclusions change about what the safety net has to look like as things happen around us that makes us go, you know, it didn't used to be like that. I'll give you another concrete example. 47% of the people that get emergency food help have at least one employed person in their household. That is a significant change from when I started in this work 30 years ago. And so if that's different, then how we need to approach the problem and the solution also have to be different. So... The conclusion that if you're employed, you're food secure is wrong. It it's, used to be right. And now it's not. Right. And so we have to think differently. Our conclusions change. Maybe it's not right and wrong. Maybe it's correct and now incorrect. Right. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, because we've said, we've <clears throat> quoted, you know, President Reagan, the best social program is a job. Well, when you started in this work, or that statement remains true. It's the biggest tool in the anti-hunger toolbox, a job, and particularly a job that pays a living wage or a self-sufficiency wage, we would, we would say in our context. But that's changed. And so now that conclusion is no—you might still have that expectation, 
but it's not built on reality. And it's created things like the benefits cliff, where people are finding that if they actually get promoted at work, their benefits fall off quicker than their wages rise, and they're actually worse off, even though they're doing everything right. So again, we've got to challenge previous conceptions as we learn more and as we develop more effective solutions. Well, Jerry, that's how the conversation has really evolved and changed. Because maybe in our beginning, we were just trying to solve hunger today. But now we're trying to create food security in a person's life along with them so that they are self-sufficient and they don't need us. But the idea is our conversations are far different if you're just trying to solve hunger rather than create food security. That's right. That's right. And it leads you on a different path and, quite frankly, a much better and more effective path. Well, certainly one that has longer-lasting results in both the community and in the person's life that we're trying to serve. So, you know, that's changing the conversation. you got to have the courage to do it. You're going to change yourself if you do. Your connections, you're going to have different conversations that you've never had before. And one of the cool things, I think, is that your culture changes. And one of the ways that gets demonstrated is your conclusions change. Now people are thinking about what's possible. I guess it's time for a little food for thought. You've heard it said that the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing you've always done and expect different results. If you want to do something you've never done before, then guess what? You have to do something you've never done before. You've got to change the conversation. Change the conversation with yourself first and then with others. I leave you with one last thought from Albert Einstein. We cannot solve a problem with the same thinking we use to create it. We must grow. We must change. And not be keepers of the same or guardians of the perpetual. If we can do better, then we must do better. Ours is not a call to try, but ours is a call to do and to do all within our power to come alongside our hungry neighbors. I am so thankful to work with a group of leaders that are always learning, always thinking about how do we do more for our communities. I am thankful for our national organization, Feeding America, that provides professional development opportunity across all aspects of our work. I can't imagine what the needs in the community would look like today if we had not grown, evolved, and matured. We still have a long way to go, We aren't where we want to be, but thankfully, we aren't where we used to be either. Catch all of our invigorating shows at foodfirstmichigan.org. And until next time, remember, it's Food First, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.